You are listening to the Sweet 929 Podcast Network, only on Spotify. You're listening to Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim. All guests appear courtesy of the Tech We Like Hotline. Chuck Holiday here. My guest today, I don't even know where to start here. There is so much to cover. As a power player, I'm not surprised at all. This is no surprise. This is all you know whose work. Ladies and gentlemen, Danielle Belton. Hi, Chuck. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm doing great. Pardon my crackly voice. I'm getting over a cold, but I feel 100% fine. That's a power voice. (laughs) (laughs) I call it a phone sex operator with laryngitis voice. (laughs) it's all cool there's so much to cover here but you know again i'm not going to discuss what you were doing at nine and discuss what you were doing at three we're not going to do that i do want to cover and touch on some of the things that you have really jumped into over i've known you now for a number of years i would say i think it's safe to say almost 13 14 I want to cover this whole thing of where you're at right now. You're you're in a, a major spot right now. And, and we're not even counting this particular position that you're in. Even the last position that you were in, you're covering a lot of major spots here. And it's a lot of big boy responsibility. Has there been any type of way that you maybe have to ask family about how to really deal with this? Because sometimes you can only ask for so many people in this realm but so much sometimes you have to just go back to family is there been any advice that you had to take with this new journey into leadership oh definitely i mean i'm really fortunate that my father worked in management for um mcdonald douglas and later boeing for over 30 years oh wow and so i can literally can go to him about anything because there's not a problem in management that he has not encountered you know and he's like full of endless knowledge. Um, And so he's like really helpful in that respect. Um, It's always funny because he always has to temper his advice because some of the advice is really applicable. Like some of it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense where it's like, you know, being open and honest with people and always making sure people know where they stand so no one's ever surprised. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the last thing you want is like to bring somebody in who's poor performance, doing a poor performance. And that's the first time they've heard about it, you know, that you haven't been telling them, you know, as things have been going along, what the problems are. Uh, and other bits of his advice are not applicable, uh, mostly because my dad <laughs> is uh, five foot 11, when he was younger, was like over 300 pounds, black man. Mm-hmm. So like when people really try to test him, he would be like, would you like to go out to the parking lot? And mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't invite people to the parking lot for cups <laughs> at noon like i can't do that you know and he admit i remember the first time i worked in a management position he was talking about somebody who was insubordinate to me and my dad was angry about it and he's like well you know if i was you i would have asked him to step outside but i guess you can't i'm like no no i can't <laughs> uh words well said words well said <laughs> No, I mean, when, when my dad was in management in the aerospace industry, it was a wild time. Like, he was one of the few Black people in a leadership position. And, yeah, so obviously so, there was a lot that came with that. Yeah, like, it was stressful. And he dealt with a lot of discrimination and, 
microaggressions and macroaggressions, like all the aggressions, you know, wow. in face. So that alone is, is remarkable in itself. We'll bring up a couple of things here and, and I don't, we don't want to go into detail because I'm not going to put you out. We're not going to do that. So I'll do the honors here. You being the editor in chief, formerly over at The Root, I mean, I know you didn't start The Root. No. For all intents and purposes, you built that brand up to what it is today. I made I your mean, favorite version of The Root, yes. Now to move over to literally a legacy player here in HuffPost and now having to cover a little bit more broader spectrum of things. Did you feel any adjustment? Did you feel any, I, I don't, I know you didn't feel any pressure because you're not like that, but did you feel any adjustments that maybe you had to do in terms of your approach just to make sure that you covered a little bit more ground? Um, not so much that, cause like I'm a news junkie. I enjoy like all aspects of media. So that wasn't so much of an issue. The bigger adjustment was moving to such a large staff. You know, at The Root, we were really small and scrappy. It was like 22 of us. And at HuffPost, it's like well north of 100, you know, So it's a lot of folks. Wow. And it's a lot of structure. And there's a lot of people who've been there 10 years or more. So I was coming into an organization, you know, that was already established, already really well run, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning exemplary journalist. So it was one of those things where I felt like, wow, I have a lot I need to adjust to and I need to adjust to it quickly. So yeah, it was, um, I'm not gonna say it was easy because it was not like, much like my first year at The Root, which was really hard for me, um, cause it was a, such a big adjustment cause it was such a big job at the time. This is an even bigger job and it was an even bigger adjustment for me. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of people to cover. Mm -hmm. Especially when you go from a smaller team. Yeah. Now you just brought up something which was you moving over to the root. You were feisty, you were very rebellious. And then to move into this structure at, again, we're gonna skip over clutch, to move over to this structure at the root and to know that there was a little bit of a, it's still forced bias, but at the same time, you still have some, you know, snobs to, to please, suits to please, brass to please. Did you ever, for a time, maybe your first few months after getting in, you're looking at this and you're saying, what the hell did I get into? No, like I started out at The Root as an associate editor a year before I was promoted to- Oh, that's right, editor. you did, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I had already had a lot of experience with the organization at that point. Um, you know, I got the job because I literally called up Lynn Pitts, who was the then managing editor at the time. Yeah, and I told true. her I wanted a job. Like I just said, wow. can I have job? You know, like it was really short. It was not like the long, a long conversation. <laughs> I was freelancing <laughs> for them at the time. And she really enjoyed my work. And she's like, well, I don't know if you're a good editor or not, but sure, here's job. <laughs> And I just, I did, and it's, it's like all legend from there. Like I had a really good first year, even though I didn't think I was having a good first year because I was actually going through a really rough patch in my life. But, um, you know, I was doing like big features on like Black Lives Matter and bringing in all these different writers and recruiting Damon and Panama from Very Smart Brothers to write posts. That was a big move. That was a big move. Yeah. And so that was all like noticed. And plus, like, 
you know, I'm a really level-headed person. It's really hard to rattle me or make me upset. Um, I'm pretty easy peasy. And so I think they liked that I was a steady hand. So they said that they hi- they had hired me in mind of hoping that I would be able to take it over at some point. Wow. Which I was a, shocked. That's, <laughs> I was that's shocked. a big look. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. You know, you, you've always had the management style structure within you and, and that's even early days. So I, I'm not surprised here with that at all. Tough question time. Yes. One of the things that I know is a tough job as a leader, and this is, I'm, I'm gonna word this here in a good way here, and then if you don't wanna answer this, you can kill me later, or you can kill mm-hmm. me now. How has it been to really bring in friends, and then you have to be authoritative to your friends? And while I get that, yeah, you can talk to your friends, you're still a leader at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that has not been an easy ride, although it's it's a great ride to bring in friends. Trust me, I'll tell you, that's a luxury. I consider that a luxury and a gift to be able to bring in friends that you know are talented for positions. But then at the same time, you still have to lead. Yes. Did you feel any awkwardness? And we're not, again, we're not going to get the details here, but did you feel any awkwardness in having to sometimes make tough decisions? Nothing bad, but just tough decisions that maybe everybody didn't agree with. Sure, there were times um, where there were friends that I had hired or that I worked with at The Root where it was difficult, you know, because they were used to what our relationship was like before. I became editor-in-chief, so it could sometimes be a little sticky. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I always made the the most perfect decisions (laughs) because I didn't. But, you know, in the case of like Damon and Panama, like they've always really respected me and I've really respected them. And I felt like that with having respect as the foundation of our relationship where um, I understood how brilliant they are and they understood what I was trying to do and the vision I was trying to execute. Like we were a team, so it made sense. And we all wanted to work together, you know, like we wanted to make this work. And so there was a lot of motivation to find a way to be able to work together comfortably and happily so we could produce, you know, great journalism. Um, but for the most part, you know, the, the, the mixture of the route was successful. And it really stemmed from the fact that everyone was super talented and we had a very much a family vibe going on. Like everyone knew each other. I mean, when it's only 22 people, everyone knows each yeah. other very well. Family. Um, We were very much like a family and I was very transparent with my staff. I tried to be always as open and honest as I could be. And I tried to always listen to them and respect their uh, talents and their feelings. Because that's what I always wanted as a a boss when I was a a staff writer, uh, was somebody who would take things seriously and lead with empathy. You know, that's my big thing is to always lead with empathy. And I feel like when you have that as your foundation, along with respect, you know, you can make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously with you in this new journey, with your gazillion people on staff, what are some of the things that you have been really excited about now over at The Huff? (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's really exciting. Um, you know, my overarching goal with HuffPost has been to diversify the newsroom and diversify our content. Because I'm a strong believer that if you want to stay relevant in today's society, you have to be part of the culture. You have to have your finger on it. You know, Absolutely. and what's more the culture than people of color, than queer people, than um, black people, you know, like we're the ones that make it happen. So it's like the fact that so many mainstream newsrooms are so white is really crazy to me. Not because, oh, you know, this newsroom, you know, must have a lot of like racism or <laughs> they just only like to hire people who look like themselves that okay fine but it doesn't make business sense like over 40 percent of americans 40 percent are people of color and but you don't want to appeal to any of them <laughs> and it's wild to me how people will talk about things that are made for people of color as if they're niche and i'm like black panther made a billion dollars i don't know how you make a billion dollars in your niche how is Beyonce niche? <laughs> like, she's like the biggest star in the world that's not named Michael Jackson, who's, you know, who's dead and is still like challenging people for the biggest star in the world. So like, I, <laughs> so I, I'm just like, what are we, what are we doing here? So, you know, my overall goal with HuffPost has been to take something that's already really amazing, this award-winning newsroom and these fantastic journalists and just really like add some, you know, seasoning to it. That's really all I'm trying to do. And you're a black woman who takes no prisoners. You have never taken prisoners. You have always been tough, 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 and stern too. Very stern. Well, I have really strong opinions. I don't know if uh, in the black snob days, like I hadn't reached the point yet where like, Danielle, you don't need to comment on everything. But back then I commented on everything. <laughs> I can see how you get that impression. <laughs> Uh, it, it's important to go back home. I know it is just to sometimes take a little bit of the heat off of everything and such a high pressure job. I mean, are you able to do that with? Yeah, actually, yes. I usually go home quarterly, sometimes even more than that. Like there was a point in the fall where I went home almost every month because something just kept happening. Um, yeah. But it was great to, you know, the fact that I had the flexibility to go be with my family, to see them. That's been great. And me and my family are extremely close. You know, like, I feel really fortunate that I've had such a strong family unit. Our family's not perfect, but we all love and respect each other again. You know, respect is really important to me. And it, the foundation comes from my home, you know? Like, my parents loved me, but they also respected us, you know? And they saw us as humans who had autonomy and were individuals, which yeah, I'm sad to say, like some parents, you know, don't see their children as, <laughs> as being separate from them, you know? No, you're right. And you're having right. rights I mean... and feelings, you know, like my parents were not their parents. They were, they were very much, you know, as, and my grandparents were wonderful, but it was like, they were really trying hard to not repeat, you know, generational mistakes like That's very they important. were really aware that they wanted a happy and healthy home for them and their three daughters and that's what they gave us very 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 important your time at clutch i don't know if we're gonna go all the way there on that but did it really help 
and shape a little bit of the foundation for your leap into these big boy jobs, as we, we like to call it. Oh, Clutch was great. I loved working with Deanna. I loved writing my column. Um, it was a lot of fun. I loved finding other people to help write for Clutch. Like, it was great. It was a good experience, a good foundational experience. But really, the experience that was the most informative to me uh, before Clutch, you know, I was managing editor of another Black website that's now no longer um, around called The Loop 21. That's and right, yes. Yeah, I was their managing editor for six whole months. <laughs> but it was a very instructive six months and I learned quickly my worth and what I can and will not put up with. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it pretty fast. Um, and so <laughs> like, even though I'm proud of the work that I did there, because I feel like I did some really good work and hired some really great people, it didn't work out and I kind of like <laughs> just left. Like I'm not afraid to leave a job. You know, that's <laughs> that's something about me. You gotta you gotta know when to hold them, you gotta know when to fold them. You gotta know when to walk away, you gotta know when to run. And I know when to run. <laughs> when I was in college, I used to uh one of my friends used to call me Clark Kent because I was never around when, when shit happened. <laughs> and I didn't show up and be Superman either. So I was like, I was just not there. <laughs> that was just because I was graduated in three years and nothing was going to stop me. So if like, if you guys want to get drunk and go to a club in East St. Louis and possibly get shot at, that's on you. <laughs> I'll stay here and babysit <laughs> with my books. Oh man, you've had some time as a TV writer. Has that had any, any bit of an effect on now being in a leadership situation and, and we're counting the the first gig at the root as well because that, that's still a leadership position and any anything editor is still leader. oh yes like the head writer role that i had on don't sleep had a huge impact that was my first time and only time leading a writer's <laughs> room in late night television um you're not pretty sure i was the first Daniel, black woman to do it Huh? <laughs> You're not missing anything, Danielle. You're not no. Missing <laughs> no, but I'm pretty sure I was the first black woman to do it because I did it in 2012. Yeah. Um, on Don't Sleep, and it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. I would never take it back for anything in the world, even though we were canceled after four months. I remember mentioning to Bonnie Hammer that y'all you know, were over there in that role, and she did not believe it for about three weeks. I think she had to go do some intel and then find out and said, oh, you know these people. And I said, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, mm. so they're really the real, they're the writers. Said, Come on, Come on. <laughs> we can do this. I mean, we're we're more than, than sports and, and rap. Like we can, <laughs> we can do this, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's, that's crazy. I'm gonna get you out of here. I'm not gonna have you on too long. But I want to touch on the bigger picture. Now, we're not going to talk about what's next. We know who has that answer, and it's not us. The bigger picture, in terms of, for you, the brand, is there anything that you see that is attainable within these next five years? And you don't have to go to detail because we can't do that anyway. But I know you have other aspirations which is no knock on what you're doing right now because again this is a prestigious role 
you never know where things take you, but then I know that there's a bigger picture. Um, there is. I, I love working at Health Post. You know, I really want to be there for a substantial amount of time because I see- And I hope you are. All just the amazingness, like the staff is so good. I mean, from Jess Schulberg to Taryn Finley, like everyone is exceptional. But, um, so I want to really make a foundation there and really build there and develop and deepen and enrich in those relationships. But I always have a lot of interest. I'm always writing a book. I'm currently rewriting a novel that I wrote during the pandemic in 2020. Um, I'm working on my memoirs. I have like a few TV things floating around, you know, so it's like sky's the limit. I feel really positive about everything going on that's in the Danielle Belton business, so. Sounds very good to get you up out of here. Which of these three words really defines really where you're at right now? And that's redesign, rebuild, and reclaim. Hmm, that's a good question. Redesign, well, yeah, I'm not changing anything, so not that one. Um, rebuild, it's not broken, so I don't need to fix it. So I guess reclaim. Okay, sounds good to me. It's always a pleasure having you on, Danielle. Always, always good talking to you. Oh, it's you know, great talking that, to you too, Chuck. You know, I always think the world of you. Redesign, oh. Rebuild, Reclaim, presented by Sweet 929. All guests appear courtesy of the Tech We Like Hotline. You can catch all episodes on Spotify as well as Sweet929.tv. Chuck Holiday signing off the three R's.